0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to Bench with Bubba. This will be episode eight Uh, Tonight, I am joined by a special guest. He's been on a podcast with me before, and you've probably heard him on some of his own stuff. He's quite the baseball guy in his baseball season, and he just got to enjoy a great Game 5 victory. We're joined by none other than Brock Miller. You can find him on Twitter, at BrockNestMonster. How are you doing, Brock?
2: Yeah, man, doing pretty good. Uh, Still a little bit uh, pumped up from that win last night for the Dodgers, of course, you know, I'm a Dodgers fan and, you know, um, exactly good news for you. and know, but, uh, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> funny thing about that game last night, I got a lot of texts from, you know, buddies or, uh, messages on, on Twitter and whatnot. And, uh, the thing about that game is the, the, the theme from all those messages was I, I didn't care which team won that game, but it was awesome. It was still awesome. And, uh, you know, obviously that's good for uh, for the sport there. So, yep, a lot of fun on Thursday night, and uh, you know, um, we're uh, looking forward. We've got the, you know, Cubs uh, Cubs and Dodgers going to be a tough one there, and then of course, um, as we are recording right now, we've got uh, the Blue Jays and the Indians going on right now. So, uh, interesting stuff. And then there were four. That's that's the title that everybody's using there. I think.
1: Yeah, We are definitely down to the final four. And, uh, you said it best. Uh, you didn't really care who won. And there's, that's been a lot of these games. There hasn't been too many, you know, like crazy blowouts or one sided affairs for the most part. It's been a lot of really good baseball. It started out with those wild card uh, play in games. Those are just epic, epic baseball games. And, uh, as a baseball fan, as like a diehard like yourself and myself, or even just the average fan, it's hard not to enjoy this playoff baseball. It's been great. And now you're getting some, uh, some teams, especially in the American League, that uh, haven't really, you know, been in the spotlight a ton. Toronto got their run last year, but this is big for Cleveland. They're uh, outside of the Cubs. They're they're on the longest World Series drought, and uh, it could be big. It could be real crazy. I know you don't want to hear it, but a Cubs Indians World Series would be uh, one for the ages, in my opinion. But uh, there's a long ways to go for that, and um, yeah, long ways to go but uh the the ALDS and the NLDS just wrapped up as you said last night with the Dodgers victory um what were your kind of biggest surprises good or bad or both uh in the two series
2: well uh, you know I, I hate to be biased here and um you know i'm i'm probably going to cling on to that uh um uh Los Angeles Washington uh matchup there um but i definitely the biggest surprise uh was Dave Roberts managing, um, you know, something that, that I had noted on, on Twitter, um, probably paired up with a couple, uh, choice, uh, four letter words was that he, he managed a lot like Don Mattingly did, you know, uh, and that was kind of a bummer. You know, everybody was, um, you know, no, nobody was really sad to see Don Mattingly go, um, you know and, and we were we were looking for change there we were looking for something new and uh the idea of of uh of dave Roberts from the get go a, a new manager never really managed before um you know getting somebody like that and and especially um i i just this is my my own opinion. Um, but uh, there was really no way that the Dodgers were going to hire anybody but a first-year manager. You know, they, they didn't want to bring in a Joe Torrey. Somebody's going to come in and just do his own thing. You know, the upper management, there's like 13 general managers in that front office there for the Dodgers. Um, and and, and they've, they've got their own, you know, way that they want things to go um so i figured from the get go that it was going to be a first year manager there for the dodgers and uh, of course that's what we got the two finalists there Dave capler was the other finalist for that that job there in la um and and you know so with the first year manager there i i really kind of hope you know okay we're you know maybe we're going to see some real interesting stuff you know from dave roberts here maybe um the front office is going to hand him down some some good notes there um and, and we'll see some unique stuff there. And just for 162 games, it was the same crap. It was the same thing. It was the same, you know, just sticking to a bunch of traditions. And, uh, you know, and, and it was really annoying. I, I was not really thrilled with that. Uh, and, and then in that series, you know, we, we saw Dave, you know, really pull out all the stops there. Um, you know, the backs were up against the wall. And uh, he, he did everything he could. I thought that was really shrewd. Um, bringing in the closer to close that game down in the seventh inning. You know, I, I talked about this with my boss, um, that game, you know, just with the way that the momentum was going and with the middle of that lineup coming up in the seventh inning, you were going to save that game in the seventh inning, you know, re- regardless of uh, you know, some, some stupid stat that, you know, us fantasy guys pay way too much attention. Well, we pay, we paid a lot of attention to it, but even fantasy guys are, are getting away from uh you know, looking at saves and, uh, you know, u- using saves in, in fantasy sports there. So, um, you know, what, he wasn't going to get the save there coming in in, th- in the seventh inning, but, um, you know, he, he was saving that game there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Kershaw coming in there and um, something really interesting. I don't know if you – maybe you would uh, caught this. Um, I saw I, – or I, I read an article. I believe it was Tim Brown from Yahoo Sports, um, an article there, kershaw was not going to pitch in that game you know during the day you know dave dave roberts no no way that's crazy rick honeycutt no that's crazy in in this in the in the eighth inning before he went out there in the bullpen to start warming up he walked over to honeycutt i feel pretty good man no way no way clayton no way that's what they told him no way And, and he he went over to dave i mean you know and this went deep i mean Uh, Andrew Friedman, you know, the the vice president or whatever his role actually is. We all know what he does, but um, that name kind of eludes me there. Uh, um, You know, even Andrew Friedman said that they discussed a a hundred different options um, of how they were going to go about pitching in this game. And the only one that didn't even come up was use Clayton Kershaw. Um, And and there it went. There there you had it. So um, I – what, what do you think about that? I, I know that uh, you know the the Giants here in years past, I think two years ago there we, we saw Bum go out there and just you know they, they kind of rode Bum there in that World Series. And, and then of course you know what 10, 12 years ago there? Uh, the Diamondbacks right and Kurt Schilling and uh, Randy Johnson. remember that the Game oh, no. seven, of that World Series? I think those guys combined to pitch like seven innings and, and neither one of them had anything left in the tank really and they they got it done anyways. What do you think about all that?
1: No, I absolutely loved it. Um, like you said, uh, as an outsider, and we've talked Giants, Dodgers a lot, and uh, we can respect each other and talk about it. Unlike you know others that are involved, and uh, I love Clayton Kershaw. I have nothing bad to say about the man. And uh, I was, you know. Throughout the season, like you said, did a lot of things just like Donnie baseball. And even the first few games of the, of the series, he was, it was looking like he's going to screw this up just like Donnie baseball. And then, uh, you said it best when he brought Jansen in, in the seventh, it's what people have been saying that have been paying attention that necessarily to close the game of the ninth, the most important part might be in the seventh or eighth inning. And that's where they need to be. Your best pitcher needs to be in that moment. And, uh, you saw Tito Francona do it uh, in the opening round against uh, against the Red Sox in Game One. Come in in the fifth or sixth for an inning or two, and then he had his closer Allen come in for a couple, and it, it was it was unorthodox, but it worked and it set the tone. And in a Game Five of that magnitude, the Dodgers had. Uh, if you don't bring Kershaw in, I'm not saying that they don't win, but you know, it's like ask Buck Showalter how he feels about not using his best weapon to get to the next round. Um, you, you have to use everything you have. And like the Curt Schilling and Brandy Johnson and Bumgarner argument, so that was the World Series. So you, you literally have nowhere to go from there. Um, the the part where I could see the, the frustration of using Kershaw is now maybe game two starter, if not game three, and now you're limiting his bullets in the next round. But uh, and where if he didn't use him, he might go game one or game two for sure. But uh, you got to get to that next round, and you got to do these things. And so I can't fault Dave Roberts for, at all. Um, I know it's your million-dollar arm, and you need him for the future, but I'm pretty sure they say flags fly forever. And uh, if that gets you to the next round and gets that momentum going and you guys come out gangbusters and, hell, you might not even need to use Kershaw's dramatically if you come out with a big win tomorrow night in Wrigley – and you're facing a juggernaut in the Cubs, and we'll get to that. And that's just—it's a whole other story. But uh, I love the move. Uh, the postseason—you throw the quote-unquote game plans out the window. And uh, Roberts did a phenomenal job, and he deserves some big kudos for that. And the guys got it done. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And you know, it—it it just the 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 more I got thinking there, um, I what's what's the best you know, the the best bullpen we we saw win a World Series there. Um, You know, for me, what was that, 1999 with – or maybe 98 before that even. um, It was, you know, John Wetland closing out games, but then Mariano Rivera, a young – it was – okay, so it was way before 98 even. A a young Mariano Rivera being used as a fireman. Just, you know, when when the middle of the line – if the middle of the lineup comes up in the seventh inning – or, or for like the last out of the seventh and the first couple outs in the eighth, or you know whenever that happened, that was Mariano Rivera, and then then you had John Wetland, uh, you know, to to come in there and slam the door in the ninth inning. There, um, you know, that's that's how that gets done, and and that's uh, I think that's a lot about uh, what uh, Terry Francona is doing right now, using Andrew Miller, using him as a fireman, uh, and then Brian Shaw is closing him out, and and I, I think it's really similar because. I think Andrew Miller is one of the couple best uh, relief pitchers in baseball right now, certainly better than Brian Shaw. I, you know, I'm a Brian Shaw fan, you know, good uh, good relief pitcher, of course. Um, but I, I think Andrew Miller is far superior. Uh, but using Andrew Miller, though, he's a little bit more valuable when you just take him and, and match him up against the middle of that our team's lineup and let him go in there and get some swings and misses and, and, and get the job done. So it kind of reminds me of that, that Yankees bullpen there. Uh, and that one was ridiculously successful, and uh, I, I think we're we're going to find out uh, how it works out for the Indians. But I think the Indians, if you know, if they can put a couple runs on the board like they did in, in this one, you know, uh, Francisco Lindor here in Game One hitting a, a two-run home run off the fly ball pitcher Marco Estrada, a couple runs on the board. I think they're going to you know find a way to to use that bullpen to shut it down and uh, and get the win
1: there. Yeah, and um, I'm going to segue here. Talking about bad bullpens, it brings me to one of my worst moments, and I am biased on this one. But uh, the San Francisco Giants, who I struggled with all season, especially the second half, witnessing their 32nd blown save of the season might have been the hardest thing I've ever seen. Um, That was just – that was horrific. Up five to two. Matt Moore, out of all guys, goes and throws an absolute gem. And everyone's uh, second-guessing, and I'll get your opinion on this too, he was at one hundred and twenty pitches after eight. He's coming off a year where he had Tommy John surgery. Um, I was shocked. I thought he was done after six. I thought he was done after seven. He went eight strong, double digit strikeouts. Had the Giants in the in the chance to, to force the game five with Quato on the mound, um, and then he goes to the bullpen, and literally they didn't get an out for the four or five pitchers that were out there before the game was tied. Uh, it was horrific. It was horrible. I love how they they swore at the trade deadline they didn't need to pay for a closer because they were in on Andrew Miller. They were in on Chapman, and they didn't pull the trigger. And now they came out the day after and said, yes, our number one priority is shoring up the bullpen. Well, no shit. But um, (laughs) it was just unbelievable to watch. It was just – yeah, it was horrible. Um, Would you have left Matt Moore out there after 120 pitches?
2: Well (laughs) – I'm I'm gonna answer with a non-answer and say, dude, I'm glad that's not my job. Yeah. Um, you know, like like you said, that that bullpen struggled all year long, uh, and and I think we all kind of called this at the deadline when you know when they didn't make that move for Andrew Miller uh, or or Chapman or really any of the other guys. Uh, I you know they did get you know Will Myers, who who I'm a fan of. Um, and I believe they've got some more team control, a couple more years of, uh, or uh, Will Myers, I'm sorry, Will Smith, um, you know, a couple more years of him, you know, good uh, good uh, left-handed arm there in, in the bullpen. Um, but I, I think we all kind of called that, though, uh, that was an obvious mistake when, when the trade deadline passed and, and they really didn't, uh, you know, fortify that bullpen because I, I think that, you know, uh, Giants had a, a pretty solid squad there, you know, minus that bullpen. and And it wasn't like, we We got to the second half there, obviously, Giants had the best record in baseball at the all star break, right um
1: yeah, yeah, that's why it was so hard to watch it was unbelievable yeah,
2: yeah. i mean, you got the best record in baseball here, but I mean you know the the one thing you need you know go out there and get it it's you know the these assets you know a uh, you know right fielder or a catcher or, or whatever the cheapest out of all of those is a bullpen piece, you know bullpen pieces you know you've you' got to spend you know you're going to put. 150 million dollar a year product out there and it's like 155 million is going to be a little bit too much you know like i think you got to find a way to you know to bring somebody to put in that bullpen there so um you know going going back to your question there you know matt Moore 120 pitches he what was that um what not against the dodgers there he went and i think he pit, he threw um you know he had the no hitter going against the dodgers I think yeah. he was at 120 did he throw 127 pitches in that one?
1: Yeah, yeah, he did.
2: It was 127, I believe. That's off the top of my head. You know, in and, and you know he looked decent in that ninth inning. I would hate to, you know, base such an important decision on on something like, well, this one time a month ago, <laughs> I never liked doing that. Um but you know, even with that struggling bullpen, I don't think I I could have uh, put him out there in the ninth inning. Um, you know, like like you, I thought, okay, good six innings, man, he was good. Whoa, he's going back out for the seventh. Okay, all right, well, we'll see how this goes. You know, like, wow, man, he got through seven. What a performance! You know, and and Matt Moore, you know, I, I've been a Matt Moore fan. You know, when when he first came up, you know, he was uh, he was a number one prospect in baseball like eight years ago or, or seven years ago for. Uh, for tampa bay i mean he he was you know we have corey Seager last off season like he was the he was the guy um and, and you know so I, I kind of followed him pretty closely and stuff since then and uh that, that tommy john really derailed what was a, a nice start to a career you know he looked real good there as a as a real young kid you know came up uh, i think 20 years old um had a had a big league deal before he even uh, got promoted to the major leagues kind of a unique deal there and um, was really pitching well and the the Tommy John kind of put a wrench in things obviously. Um, but yeah, like like you mentioned, you know he is he's it's the first year coming off Tommy John surgery. Um, he did have you know and maybe you want to look at a different way that that started a month ago against the Dodgers throwing all those pitches, maybe even that's like another reason to not try to do it again, you know uh, he, he went that far once, let's not push it. So even with the struggling bullpen, I don't think I could have put him out there again. I, I probably would have uh, not pushed it past seven my, myself. Um, but, you know, this was – but but that's just kind of my style, though. That's kind of like what I buy into. Everybody's got their own, you know, ways of looking at these things. You know, um, last night that, that Dodger game there, Kenley Jansen, um, you know, I had noted going into that ninth inning, well, man, look how many pitches he's thrown. He's, he's, a, he's approaching a, a career high. You know, this is – not really a good place to find out if he's capable of doing that. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of a kind of tough spot to do that. And you know what he did? He, he came out there in the ninth inning, and Jansen was throwing fastballs two feet too high. The next pitch was, you know, a fastball in the dirt – or cutter, excuse me, you know what I mean. Um, he, he was all over the place. Uh, you know, he, he got past that career high in, in pitches, and bam, just like that. Um, you know, that the stuff was still there. He's still throwing 95 of movement and stuff like that, but he had no clue where it's going. Um, you know, and, and I, I see stuff like that and, um, you know, and I, I don't know, it's not, you know, the, the Verducci effect, uh, i familiar there. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if, if it's that, and I don't know if that, you know, if I would have any, you know, hard lines to stick to any, any real rules to, to stick to there. But, uh, yeah, I don't even think I could have pushed him past seven there. So um, you, you got to lean on the bullpen, and you know when that happens, you, you gotta you gotta turn around and, and you gotta look up there at the uh, at the skybox up there next to the announcer, where you know where where the the brass is sitting and say,
1: you did this. <laughs> yeah, it's like much.
2: you, you got to use the bullpen at some point there. So I probably would have done the same thing.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, and one thing I will say is, is I'm not hating on Bochy. I think he's one of the best managers in all of baseball. And I think he was at a point, the way the whole season's gone, it, there was no answer at all. And he was just trying anything he could to, without it blowing up, and it just didn't work. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll digress on that one. Uh, last but not least, real quick, uh, I, I'll kind of sum up the ALDS together. I was shocked that they both ended in sweeps and that's nothing against uh, the Indians or the Blue Jays. They're both really good teams. I'm definitely more shocked that the Red Sox got swept. That offense got absolutely shut down by the Tribe, and that was just an absolute shocker to me. Kind of a sad way to see Big Poppy go out, but uh, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, that was a very big surprise in the ALDS for me. But uh, let's move on to the ALCS. Like you said, we just finished up game one tonight. Indians 2-0 over the Jays. Kluber dealing. Lindor, with uh, the two-run homer. Uh, what do you kind of see what do you think kind of unfolds with this series now that especially with Trevor Bauer getting pushed back to game three, maybe having to go to game four, slicing his finger, fixing his drone? Um, so you might get – Clevenger twice and Tomlin twice, which is not really a recipe for success. Um, What are you seeing in the ALCS? Brock. Come in, Brock, and we've lost Brock. Well, shit, that's not good. Okay, so uh, like I I was thinking, we got uh, the Jays, big win for Kluber tonight. Um, He's been filthy, over 13 innings, lights out in the first two rounds of the series. Um, And then uh, the the scary part, like I said, is Clevenger and Tomlin. Tomlin was phenomenal against the Red Sox, just absolutely lights out. And – didn't see that one coming, but the Jays, Estrada threw well, gave up one big fly ball, and it's what he does. But you got uh, Strowman, who could be a question mark with all the extra time off, but uh, he looked great in his first start of the postseason. And then we have the likes of um, – uh, you got, uh, you got uh, Hap, who potentially could be a Cy Young Award winner, one of the more criticized offseason signings, and uh, got it done. The Indians usually do hit lefties rather well, so that makes that one very, very interesting. And uh, it should be an interesting series. Cleveland picking up tonight was huge, but the uh, the Rogers Center will be absolutely rocking. So uh, if they could steal Game Two at home, take a two zero lead into into Toronto, that would be absolutely, absolutely filthy, and could be big, big thing, um, big, big things with uh, for the Indians. But uh I don't know. Indians Cubs is what I'm looking at. And uh we'll see what happens when it comes to the uh the the next round. But uh with that being said, Brock has rejoined us. We got Brock. What are you seeing for that ALCS Brock? Uh, Indians and Jays, what are you seeing unfolding there?
2: Yeah, um yeah, kind of kinda like I was mentioning earlier, you know, if the, if uh if those Indians bats can, um, you know, get a couple over on on Toronto, uh, I think that uh, bullpen's going to prove to be a huge advantage there uh, for for the Indians. Um, and I, you know, and the the Indians offense in general. Um, looking at the uh, at the Blue Jays here, of course, you know uh, we had Marco Marco Estrada tonight, who didn't pitch uh, bad or anything like that. David Price, and and, Mark. and something that I like from, from Cleveland, um, if uh, if we look back at this season for uh, Way to Runs Creative Plus, um, uh, had the Indians uh, against uh, right-handed pitching as the eighth-best offensive baseball, about 4% above average there. Um, you know, certainly not the Dodgers or Red Sox or anything like that, but, uh, you know, a, a really solid offense against right-handed pitching, the strikeout rate below 20%. Um, you know, it's it's a good offense. They've they've got power. Uh Carlos Santana, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Carlos Santana hit a lot of home runs in the second half there. It wasn't Brian Dozier or anything like that, but um, you know, Carlos Santana was really good and um you know, and then and then you look at the Indians, uh what do they do against left handed pitching? Seventh best in baseball. Uh one oh seven weighted runs created plus against left handed pitching there. So um it's, you know, it, it's, they're, they're, they're a good offense. It it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. Oh, what did I do? David Price, not, I didn't mean David Price. I'm sorry. I got the wrong thing here. Um, I just, I, I, am a fan of the, the Indians offense because, um, it, it doesn't really matter who they're going up against. Um, you know, Marcus Strowman's, you know, a, a great pitcher, you know, um, Stroman had a, had a good year there. Um, Exceeded some of our our expectations. We all expected Strowman to be solid. We expected in 2015, of course, but he had, you know blew out his knee there uh, first week of the season. But um it's just you know the Indians' offense. I, I think they're going to be able to score a couple runs, and, and I think that uh, bullpen is going to make the
1: difference there. Yeah, no doubt about it. The, yeah, lefty, you're the lefty, you're thinking of? A half. Half.
2: A half. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, half there. Uh, like, I can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, no it's a long week. <laughs> big difference david price jf
1: exactly uh, uh, let's, look let's look into the nlcs we've got the cubbies versus the dodgers now um obviously you know the dodgers better than most and i did witness the cubs for four games and it was beautiful uh the cubs are absolutely locked and loaded that offense that that whole lineup is filthy um you got to like their pitching staff, one through four, they're going to throw out you. And then if you get to Chapman, well, good night. Um, just pure filth. But the Dodgers aren't no slouches, and I'll let you break that one down. But what are you looking at in the NLCS?
2: Oh, one one quick note I did want to throw in for that last one there. Jan Gomes is back. Uh, Jan Gomes was a uh, you know, catcher for the Indians. Uh, I think especially the DFS world was – was um you know really uh, aware of what Jan Gomes did there in two thousand fifteen. He definitely had a rough uh season here in two thousand sixteen, but um yeah, he missed the last two months with an injury and he's back. So uh Jan Gomes gonna be out there catching some games for for the Indians here. He is on the roster um to face the Blue Jays here. Yeah as far as uh as far as this this Dodger Dodgers and Cubs it's been it's been tough to kinda you know, like today. You know, of course, it's I, I couldn't couldn't get anything done at work. You know, you're at you're at your desk, and um, you know, place I work, we got like 60 people at work there. You, you know, and every every single person's got to walk by and hey, how about them Dodgers? You know, and and <laughs> and I, I want to tell them, you know, like oh, you know, momentum or we're gonna do this. You know, I, I want to tell them something nice, but like I just. It's like my duty to to tell them exactly how I feel and, and I don't feel good about it like I'm a Dodgers fan I'm gonna root for my team to win and I hope they do win and there's a chance that they win because if we know anything about baseball we know that really weird shit happens a lot mm-hmm. um, but all of that said I, I've got to tell you that the Cubs have got pretty big advantages um, you know up and down the rosters um, they've <laughs> as if they needed a little bit more help. They've got home field advantage, uh, two games in Chicago, three in L.A., and then the the final two in Chicago if need be. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't know what to say about that. You know, as if all of that wasn't enough, Chicago's got some some seriously solid left-handed pitching um, that they can throw at the Dodgers. Uh, a couple numbers I want to throw out here. Uh, the Dodgers against left-handed pitching in 2016 for weighted runs created plus, 75. Dead last. Last. They're just last. They're just – there's like the Phillies, better. Cincinnati Reds, the Yankees, um, other offenses that didn't do shit, Better against left-handed pitching, and if you uh, watch that series with the the Washington Nationals um, on, uh, well, the game that I went to, game one, or uh, not game one, game uh, three, uh, that was Monday in L.A. there, uh, first game of the series in in L.A. Dusty Baker, we we all know Dusty Baker. We we know Dusty Baker. We know, you know, traditionalist type of guy and um you know everything's uh everything's done the way it once you know the way it used to be done because that's just the way it's done and you know we don't need no stinking number we know dusty baker all right and even dusty baker listened to his front office when they said hey dude get out there and throw left-handed pitchers at these guys even he listened to those guys you know paid a little bit of attention to some of the splits here um and that game on monday you know, he's, they started with Gio Gonzalez going up against the, the Dodgers there. You know, so the Dodgers rolled out uh, a right-handed heavy lineup. I think Seager was the only, I'm you know, pretty sure. No, Seager, I, I think Jock um, actually played center field and just hit eighth. There, Charlie Culbertson hit seventh, I believe, on, on Monday. Um, rolled out that uh, uh, against left-handed pitching lineup that the Dodgers had and it was just atrocious and you know usually when you see uh, a left-handed starter come out for a team as soon as that that starter starts wearing down or if he's you know not doing well the the manager is going to gravitate towards bringing in the the right-handed pitcher that he wants so he's not going to follow up a left-handed starter with a left-handed reliever because You know, then he brings in the righty and then a bunch of those, you know, platoon bats are going to have to get pulled out and they're going to start wearing down the roster, start pulling guys off the bench and and crossing guys off the list there. You know, especially, you know, earlier on in the game, you know, if it happens to be the fifth, you know, fifth inning, sixth inning or whatever, they want to, you know, get that list, you know, narrowed down there so that their team doesn't have as many options. Well, Dusty Baker on Monday, he just, okay, we pull out Geo and then he brought in, I believe it was Solis, another uh, left-hander. And he pitched, you know, one and a third, one or two thirds, maybe even went two innings. I can't remember exactly. And then he was done. Then it was uh, Repchinski. And they just lefty after lefty after lefty, you know, until, of course, it got late in the game. And then you've got to go to your relief aces, uh, Sean Kelly and Mark Melanson. Um, you know, but up until that point, they kept that weaker uh, lineup for, for the Dodgers in the game. And um, that's what makes it such a, a tough matchup for the Dodgers, because you know, of course, you're going to see John Lester. Uh, you know, John Lester's left hand pitcher, an ace, um, ended up having a great year there. I, th- I think he had a little bit of a rocky start to the season, um, but down the stretch, damn dude, he was good. Um, so, yeah, it's it, as as if, <laughs> yeah, as if uh, he needed to be. A little bit sharper here to uh, to to square up with the Dodgers, but um, you know, and then then you got left-handed uh, you know guys in the bullpen. You got Trav Wood, um, Travis Wood. Travis Wood go in there and, and pitch two innings. You know, maybe um, hit a home run off the bench if you need him to. Easy. It's a really unique play. <laughs> you know, my 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 boss brought this up. You know, um, of course, Travis Wood. You know, um, Travis Wood and Mike Leake, both of those guys you know, came up for the Reds right about the same time, you know. And both those guys, you know, one's left-handed, one's right-handed, but kind of similar pitchers, you know, and it not like amazing careers or whatever, but they've stuck in the major leagues for a long enough time. But both those guys could hit, though, both of them. I mean, Mike Leake, uh, I think he hit two home runs his first uh, year in the major leagues as a starting pitcher, um, or, or maybe even more. You know, Mike Leake, he can he can swing the back course, Travis. Oh. Um, but, yeah, and there's – I uh, really want the list. Where's the list? Yeah, Travis. And then, of course, um, Mike Montgomery. I don't know that Montgomery's going to start a game for the Cubs. Uh, yeah. Certainly, he is capable of. Have
1: you the seen part, anything? No. I think he'll be coming out of the pen. I think. I think they they're going with the same rotation of Lester, Hendricks, Arrieta, and Lackey.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I I could see them replacing Lackey with. Uh, with Montgomery just for this set just to go up against the Dodgers there and, and put two left-handed starters out there uh, as opposed to just one. But nonetheless, you know, if they're not going to have Montgomery start, um, you know, game four, then I think that just means that they're going to use him as a swing man and he's going to um, – you know, I, I think between Montgomery and Travis Wood, I bet you you see those guys pitch as many innings as any of the starters on that team. Um, I, I think they're, they're really going to use those guys – uh, get those left-handers in there and take advantage of the of a really glaring. I mean, I think if you have to look at all four of our remaining um, teams in the playoffs here, the 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 Indians, the the Blue Jays, and the Cubs and the Dodgers, the biggest glaring weakness out of any of those four teams has to be the Dodgers matching up against left-handed pitching. So, uh, you know, Joe Joe Madden, um, he, he, all of us. You know, when I say us, I mean you know, baseball Twitter. Or 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 whatever have uh, been singing the praises of Joe Madden for a long time, and um, I'm sure he's going to know to take advantage of that. So, definitely going to be an uphill battle uh, for for
1: the Dodgers here. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you said it right there at the end. Joe Madden is by well, I wouldn't say by far, but I have strong opinions myself that he's one of the best, if not the best, manager in all of baseball. I think he's earned that through his time. Uh, he's the players love him. He gets results. And, yes, he will definitely know the Dodgers against lefties. That's why I think they'll keep Montgomery in the pen. It's like you said, Wood and Montgomery can both throw multiple innings to get to the cannon a role as Chapman to finish things off. And that could be a recipe for disaster. But uh, And they might not even need to because the way their starters have pitched most of the season, let alone last series, they're giving them six, seven-plus easy right now, and they're looking great at doing it. Um, it's going to be an interesting series because you can't count the Dodgers out. They've shown production. They've got stuff done. Um, the Giants. Yes, I said it. They are a better team than the Giants. And um, so if the Giants can push them, I don't see why the Dodgers can't. And uh, I'm looking at a, a, a Cleveland Cubs world series. What are you looking at in the world series? Um,
2: Yeah, I, I can't really argue with that. And, and especially, being able to see, you know, Game One here, Cleveland's taking Game One, and, and Game One going more or less kind of how uh, we were expecting it to makes me kind of feel a little bit better about the read that I had on that series in the first place. But uh, I, I definitely think that too. I want to say, in <laughs> in defense of of my Dodgers, look back over the last like 15 years or so. Well, not for any good reason other than that's when I've been playing, paying the most attention to um, to baseball is the last fifteen years. But you know the the, the teams that win in October, um, you know those are those are the teams that are kind of getting healthy at, at the right time of the season, um, and and they're they're playing well. You know, guys that you know, of course, they get along, and I think that some of that stuff can get kind of over. Overblown, there. Uh, you know, these are a bunch of dudes that you know make a bunch of money playing sports. Um, I, I have a feeling that overall, most of those clubhouses are big groups of guys that kind of get along pretty well. Um, but the, the the Dodgers, there's you know these these guys, there's kind of that kind of win for Vin. Um, you know, of course, Vin Scully's last season. You know, as the Dodgers broadcaster. I, you know, I, I hate to like put. You know I'm not going to go out there and put money in on any of these narratives or anything like that. But um, <laughs> if there's if there's anything I've got to hold on to, maybe it's a couple of those. You know, win win for Vin or, or whatever. But um, you know the Dodgers really did play well in September. They had the best record of baseball in September. Um, I, I'm sure you remember this was eight years ago, maybe it was nine, maybe it was seven. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals stunk. Mm-hmm for like five months they just they stunk they were not a good team they were not a playoff team the atlanta braves were dominating and, and it was just a foregone it was like the end of august and there was a foregone conclusion that that the braves were going to just you know keep walking away at that division um and and we're going to be the powerhouse and the you know um i think cardinals were like i don't know 10 games out of out of it i don't know they, they were out of it um and And they snuck in as a wild card team, they just september um just 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 annihilated september, and uh they snuck in with like what was it like an eighty two and eighty record I believe I think that they were uh one game over five hundred that season snuck in the playoffs as a wild card, and uh the rest is history. They won the World Series that year um they had a tough season, but I think they got like Jimmy Edmonds back, I think. You know, a couple key guys like that kind of came back at the end of the year there, and, and they, they played well at the right time of the season. They rolled right through October. So, you know, um, I, I think the Dodgers have a much better chance if maybe they gotten Trace Thompson or, or maybe Scott Van Slyke, uh, you know, one of those guys. Um, if they got one of those guys back at the right time of the year, uh, would have made them a little bit more formidable against left-handed pitching. You know, those were supposed to be the big platoon bats against left-handed pitching. Um, you know, and of course those guys got hurt and those injuries truly, really hurt that squad going up against the lefties there. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, Dodgers, you know, playing well here towards the end of the year. So I, I if we're going to ignore the numbers and remember, I never ignore the numbers, but if we are, um, you know, maybe the Dodgers got some momentum on their side or, or maybe a little bit of win for Vin. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick, uh, I'm, I'm with you there, Toronto and
1: Cleveland. And um, and the one the, – nah, I'm sorry, Chicago and Cleveland. <laughs> I, you know what you meant. Um, but the, the I, mean, like, I agree, and I know uh, we've talked before that you are a big stats guy and you know your stats very, very well. But uh, there is something really weird, especially in the postseason, and I've witnessed it with the Giants. Momentum, it works. It's a weird, weird thing. And I know it's like there's no proven statistical analysis on it. But uh, I, I I should have looked it up ahead of time. But since the wild card era has been here, I want to say the wild card teams probably winning at least 50% of these World Series. I'm, and I'm just pulling that out of my ass, but I'm not at the same time. Some of the Giants were – what two of theirs were. Uh, the Angels in 0-2 were a wild card. The Cubby – or the Cardinals, like you said, uh, I, it's got to be close to fifty percent, and uh, those teams were, were battling it hard coming into the, to the playoffs. So there is something to it. And I know it's not everything, and I know I'm blowing smoke out of a lot of people's uh, theories, and they're going to be pissy or whatever. But uh, there is something to it—not everything, but there is something. Um, so yeah. something to sleep on and enjoy. Um, yeah,
2: it's it's one of those things. Yeah, you know, hold on to, you know, be, because. Um, it's it's something to 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 maybe try to explain some of the variants that we are uh, no doubt about to see.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Okay, well that kind of wraps up our uh, our playoff part of this, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we got that nailed, which I thought was pretty good. And let's move on to uh, just kind of some quick, you know, baseball talk. Um, award seasons around the corner. Uh, what do you have for AL NL MVP? I, you know, who, who's
2: going to win that, that AL MVP? Um, I, I just, I got nothing. I, I have no idea who's going to win it. Um, if I had a vote, it's Mike Trout. I think you're going to agree with me here. Um, I, I, think, I think if you pulled Twitter, uh, which is an interesting thing because we can totally do that now. I think at some point we can maybe maybe when you get the the pod cleaned up here and it's ready to to stick it on Twitter, we'll accompany that with uh, a couple uh, a couple polls here. But um, yeah, I I think if uh, baseball Twitter um, had a vote, I think baseball Twitter goes with Mike Trout. Um, Then there's the guys that uh, pencil in numbers for like some newspaper companies and. I think those guys are going to go, you know, maybe Altuve. His team was in the race, you know, until maybe the end. You know, Josh Donaldson didn't didn't have the same year that he did last year. Um, you know, but without Donaldson, Toronto does not. I don't think Toronto sniffs the playoffs. I mean, Donaldson, uh, you know, having a guy that, that can play defense the way that he does and, and a hitter like that, um, you know, especially, you know, a – Uh, A guy hitting like that in the the second spot in the lineup right there, Um, you know, he makes that lineup ridiculous. Without him, it's like a National League lineup. It really is. But, uh, you know, you you put Donaldson in that two spot there in front of those other guys, and you start looking up and down that that lineup. Um, You know, Donaldson, uh, he he didn't – he just – it didn't look like he carried the team. Uh, this season quite like it did last year i think that had a lot to do with him winning it last year over mike trout you know of course mike trout had his own you know argument for the mvp last year um, it, it's I, i've seen this on twitter maybe you've, maybe you've seen it maybe you can recall this a little bit better than i am but basically mike trout's like first 5 years in the major leagues has been so like amazingly ridiculous that You know, it really doesn't compare to anybody else's first five years in the major leagues per – if you're looking at the the stat war, um, per war, his first five years just on his own level. And the dude has one MVP. I mean, uh, can you really blame Mike Trout for – well, it's, you know, if he was so good at baseball, then, you know, maybe they wouldn't finish dead last. Who was on that team? Daniel Nava, Johnny Gio Vitella? Who, who that was that, that? Oh, my that, God, that, that team that, is so bad. Horrific.
1: Horrific. horrific. It was such a garbage team. It was-
2: right, right, right. Value, you know, value is value is value. Uh, I, I, I talk about that, you know, um, you know, like at the trade deadline and, oh, man, my, my team needed some, some left hand power, but we got, uh, you know, we, we got this guy instead. Well, he he doesn't have right-handed power, but like he's like a well above average defender. You know that that helps your team in this category here. You know he's adding value. You know like maybe it's not like that type of value that you thought that you were after there, but value is value. It's just in, in Mike Trout whether he added it to a, a terrible team or not. Um, he's the best freaking player in baseball, and he was last year, and he was the year before, and he was the year before. And he probably will be next year. You know, let let the guy put a couple MVPs on the mano Man, he absolutely deserves it. So um, that that's kind of where I am in the American League. Mookie Betts was super awesome. One of my favorite you know players to watch. Like he just, God, that guy so awesome um I wish he was on the Dodgers that's you know sit here watching these games you know all season long and I'm just picking out guys like oh man you know and I I run through the scenarios in my head okay so you know Mookie Betts is you know comes to Los Angeles you know Mookie Betts was like a shortstop and a second baseman in the minor leagues and they kind of moved him to the outfield like right before they called him up the major leagues I'm like okay so, Mookie Betts, well, you know, we like Jock Peterson in center field, so um, maybe Mookie Bet. hey, maybe we move him back to second base. I mean, he's, you know, you put him at second base, nobody will remember that Howie Kendrick ever even existed. Like, okay, well, maybe instead of doing that, you know, like I played through these these scenarios and stuff in my head with, with some of these players. So, Mookie Betts was uh, one of those players where. Um, you know, I, I imagine him in Dodger blue quite a bit this year, and for good reason. He was awesome, hit home runs. That was another thing, man. You know, he, he didn't. You know, he, we thought he was going to be an awesome player, but like, you know, how many home runs have Mookie Betts hit this year? You know, kind of, kind of surprising power there from from Mookie Betts. So I've got him up there on the list, and um, you know, David Ortiz was 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 pretty amazing there uh, in his final season. Um but uh yeah, I, I've got Mike Trout in in, in the American League. Uh, do you agree?
1: Yeah, no, I had Trout and you nailed it. The guy is the best player in baseball. It is not his fault. He is on a horrible team run by horrible people that don't know how to put a team together. It's nothing to do with him. The guy is an absolute freak. He was basically playing on the bad news Bears this year and he there's nothing he could do about it. They were horrible. Um It was just bad all around. I hope they finally – I know that was the big debate. Do they trade him and try to reload? I'm almost at the point where that might be the only option because that team, the farm system's bad. Everything about the Angels is bad right now. Um, And I hate if if you're an Angels fan, I apologize, but it's not looking good. Um, If if it's not Trout that's the MVP and – let me, let me get to something. I think one of my biggest pet peeves about awards season is you have to be on a winning team to get awards is one of the biggest jokes I've seen. Like A-Rod got it that one year, but you go through a Rod stats, he had better years than his MVP year, and they wouldn't give it to him because he was on losing teams. Um, yeah. Something about these voters, like you said, they they still work at archaic newspapers that no one reads, and um, they somehow still get a vote. It's, it's a travesty. Um, it, it's horrible for baseball, but Mike Trout is by far the best player in baseball. He has been, and probably will be unless he suffers an injury, which I hope he never does. Cause he's so fun to watch. And more importantly, and this is a total just off the rails. He's great for kids. Um, you have all these problems in baseball and you get, um, you get kids that can sit and watch a guy like Mike Trout. And he's a perfect example of how to play baseball the right way. And, um, There's a lot to be said about that. But um, if it's not Mike Trout, I go with Mookie Betts. He was on a winning team. He had 31 homers, 113 RBIs, 122 runs scored, 26 stolen bases, and batted 318. That is an outstanding season of baseball for his, like, second full season of baseball. Got to love some Mookie Betts in your life. So, uh, yeah, if, if it's not Trout, I'm going Mookie Betts. Who
2: do you got yeah. in the National League? Yeah. I, I, I like that, Mookie Betts. You look at a couple other numbers there, you know, 27% above average on offense there. Um, you know, obviously a great hitter, but the look of what he added to his team, you know, the, the defense that he played out there in right field, that is a tough right field to play there in Boston. You know, right center field uh, is is a huge gap out there. You know, obviously left field's really short, but they make up for it in Boston with the big right field, and, and that's uh, – that's what Mookie Betts got to deal with there, um, and and he's a great base runner as as well. So um, you know, those are the players that that I like to look at. You know, and and um, he was kind of Mike Trout light, um, and like you said, the difference there is he was on a, a winning team there. So um, yeah, Mookie Betts, super awesome there. Um, I, I think that kind of something some kind of interesting uh, about Mike Trout. What? If you had to pick, like, two numbers from Mike Trout's season that that screams MVP to you, wh- which ones are they?
1: Um, um, if I had to go one thing, thing, I haven't even looked at his numbers. Really? haven't even?
2: At his numbers. Um, um, Without a – like, you know, man, he hits a lot of home head. runs.
1: Off my head, yeah, I'm not even looking at homers as much as uh, – I know his on base is crazy, but that's because they're probably pitching around him because of the horrible team he's on. But well, um,
2: that's the one that I wanted to get to. That's that's awesome that he said that. Like all the awesome things that Mike Trout does. Of course, we know about his defense and he can run the bases and um, you know all the home runs that he hits. He had a four forty one on base percentage. That yeah. that's that shit is been. That's like Frank Thomas, except bad. for good on defense and runs the bases. That kind of puts you in perspective with what we're looking at here with, with, with Mike Trout and, you know, Frank Thomas went down with one of the best right-handed hitters any of us ever seen. So um, yeah, a little bit of perspective there. Mike Trout, super amazing. Um, If you uh, have a vote on the MVP, please vote for him. Um, Of course, you know, through listening to this podcast, you probably don't. And also the voting was like a month ago.
1: Well, I'm looking at his numbers real quick. And so we mentioned, how he was in such a horrible lineup and sure he had pull holes behind him and you know, he was streaky. So when pools was hot, he probably got pitched to more, but, uh, to, just to put it, put it in consideration, he had a, a 173 hits, which is crazy when you're getting pitched around like he is. He, um, had 116 walks. That's what I'm referring to as people not pitching to him. So to get 173 hits and 116 walks is just nuts. And, um, he had 29 homers and 30 stolen bases, almost a 30-30 player, which you don't really see anymore in baseball. Um, right. Yeah, we could basically what we're saying is we could drool over him all day. He's the best player in baseball. He should win the MVP almost every season, but if not, Mookie Betts. Um, what do you got for the National League? Yeah, and and and
2: Mike Trout also hit strikeout rate uh, down a little bit again. Uh, back down to like twenty percent this year too. So a little bit of ice in the kick there. Um, you know, looking looking over the National League, this is the one I think uh just verify with you, but I think you know everybody's pretty much making their choice between two players. You've got uh Chris Bryant and, and Daniel Murphy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And and or the the one that's real interesting is you can go Bryant or Rizzo and if you look at their numbers they're nearly identical.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause it and it, you know, and it feels like we're we're playing into a uh, good player on winning team kind of theme there. Um, but yeah, I think you know, Bryant, I think Murphy, and I, I know Rizzo Rizzo had great numbers there. Um, you know, but, but Bryant was that guy, you know, he, he had a solid, like, first month or two, and then he just really took off uh, and, and carried the, you know, not that they even needed it, but, you know, club there. Um, Bryant, Bryant played third base. He played left field. Um, they, they just kind of moved Bryant around, you know, wherever they needed him. And he was a capable defender at at all of those spots, you know. Probably not above average or anything, um, you know. But uh, yeah, so I I think you know Bryant had I, I don't know man, just that that amazing power. He he changed a lot of games there. It's it's, it's tough to look away from Murphy, um, Daniel Murphy. Let's see, you know, his was 56% above average uh, per weighted runs created plus. You know, you couldn't, out, uh, you know. Uh, let's see. What did I say? You know, Mike Trout had a twenty percent strikeout rate and a seventeen percent walkout uh, walk rate. You know, wh- which seventeen percent walk rate is phenomenal. Um, you know, twenty percent strikeout rate, kind of a typical thing for a big power hitter here. here. Danny Murphy, you know, hit twenty-five home runs. He didn't hit as many home runs as Trout. Um, but uh, looking here, the rate about ten percent. Um, you know, making that that kind of contact, you know, for Daniel Murphy, um, that's that's just kind of amazing right there. Um, you know, and, and and Daniel Murphy was, um, kind of, I, I think, you know, he was a, a front runner there for the MVP at, at the All-Star break uh, in the National League, and it pretty much stayed that way in the second half as well. Uh, I think Bryce Harper didn't have the season many of us were expecting him to have, and, uh, you know, Daniel Murphy really kind of made us forget about that. But uh, phenomenal season from from Daniel Murphy. But but if I got to go somewhere, it's it's Chris Bryant. He he was just he was awesome. The power was awesome. The power was game changing. Um, You know, and and especially the 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 second half. So uh, I got to go, Chris Bryant.
1: Yeah, no, Chris Bryant's my choice. Uh, The kid's a freak, and this might be the first of many. In his direction, and you pretty much hit everything on the head with that. I'm going to mention two guys if we go off of the they-don't-have-to-be-on-winning-teams theory. One's going to be Nolan Arenado, and I know he plays in Colorado, and I know people use that against him a lot, but the kid is amazing. 41 homers, 133 RBIs, only struck out 103 times for a power hitter like that. very impressive. Uh, he hit 294 on base, 362. Uh, raked, absolutely raked, um, and just amazing ball player. The other one, I want you to see if you can guess who this is because he was on a horrible team, but he had 181 hits, 29 homers, 97 RBIs, 108 walks, a 326 average, and a 434 on base.
2: Freddie Freeman? Oh, Joey Votto.
1: Yes, Joey Votto – who everybody yeah. hates on year in and year out. You give me numbers like that on a contender, people are screaming MVP. He won it for a reason one year. The year the Reds were in the playoffs and contending. Um, I'm not, I am not. I know by no means is he going to get the, the the MVP, but people forget about stuff like that. His numbers were damn impressive. His on-base is almost as good as Mike Trout's. So that's all. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It's It's crazy how good that guy was stuck on such a – bad baseball team. But, uh, yeah, Chris
2: Brown And, you know, Votto Votto had that really tough first half. He just struggled out of the gates there, and he turned it on to a level that I don't think I've ever seen anybody do. Um, Right now, just real quick, I pulled up his half statistics there. Uh, Weighted Runs created plus 201. That means he was 101% better than average. I mean, that's how crazy that is. I don't know what that is. is that, Yeah, it, that's insane. Um, by far, led Major League Baseball. It's, um, You know, the ISO 260, you know, tons of power there. Um, you know, you mentioned the on-base skills there, a 15% walk rate in the second half against a 10% walk rate. All right against a 10% strikeout rate. This this, this is, you know, context. You know, uh, a few years ago when Albert Poulos went out and he had like 91 strikeouts and and 104 walks or something like that. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, this guy walks more than he strikes out. It's amazing, you know. He's got power and he walks more than he strikes out. It's just, you know, he's on another level. Joey Votto – had a 15% walk rate and a 10% strikeout rate in the second half. I, um, so yeah, yeah. Just to underline that a little bit, Joey Votto had a second half like I've never seen before.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's why I just wanted to bring it to people's attention that it doesn't always have to be a contender, which I just absolutely hate. And I know I've said it a few times. And yeah, he had a heck of a season, especially a second half. In um, real quick.
2: Well well real quick, just uh you brought up uh Nolan Arenado uh and you know people obviously you know discounting his stats um you know because where where he plays his uh um looking I'm, well I'm looking for his numbers here. Let me open up uh, let me open up his page real quick here. Interesting thing with Nolan Arenado, uh two thousand sixteen is splits. Um Let's see. Let me get uh, – so at home, uh, Nolan Arenado had a uh, – uh, where are we? Oh, man, I'm screwing this all up. Okay. At home, he had a 132 weighted runs created plus, and on the road, a 116 weighted runs created plus. So um, he was better at home in 2016, um, but but not much. He was well above average on the road as well. Um, you know, so it's it's really not too fair uh any of uh Arenado's statistics because of what he does at home because uh he's a phenomenal hitter on the road as well. Um and then I think if you look back at two thousand and fifteen, um those numbers are the are the opposite. He was actually a little bit better on the road than he was at home. Um if we click on that real quick, uh yeah, he was uh one nineteen weighted runs created plus at home and one nineteen weighted runs created plus on the road in two thousand fifteen. So yeah, one Arenado, just kind of an amazing hitter. Um, and then, man, is he fun to watch play defense. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Gets a little bit underrated there.
1: Yep. Okay, let's move on uh, to the Rookie of the Year's AL, NL. Uh, I'll start it off with my AL. Um, some people frown upon it because he only played 53 games, but you cannot not pay attention to what Gary Sanchez did for the New York Yankees. 20 home runs, 42 RBIs, 299 batting average, 376 on base, which for a rookie is pretty damn impressive. Um, he did strike out a lot, which was kind of expected. Uh, but more importantly, when the Yankees brought him up, they were pretty much saying, let's just start re- rebuilding. We traded everybody, we're going to let the youngsters play, let's see what happens. And between Sanchez and some of the other youngsters mixed in with some of the vets, they made a run and were in the playoff race Mm -hmm. into the last week of the season for a wild card spot, which when they started making their trades, no one thought they had a chance to do. And Sanchez is a huge part of that. He caught 36 games, DH 17, um, absolutely tore it up. He was a top prospect, so people thought he'd be good, but I don't think they thought he'd be this good this quick. I give my uh, AL Rookie of the Year to Gary Sanchez.
2: Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, what Gary Sanchez did, what was, what was that? He had the most home runs through 50 games of any player ever. Yep. I think he had home runs. Uh, or he maybe hit? did he get to 20? Something like that. It's right around there, like 20 home runs of 50 games. Um, yeah, uh, amazing season there. Elsewhere well, on the on the AL Rookie of the Year, um, I, I got to go with Michael Fulmer. It's, you know, being a DFS player, um, you know, and of course you play you know a ton of DFS as well. Um, you know, we, we look at a little bit different numbers um, than than a lot of people there. And uh, one one of my favorite, and then you know, of course, I did a podcast for those of you listening that didn't know podcast with my buddy Ryan Noonan um and Ryan was you know when we were looking at pitchers we're trying to you know especially right there in the middle of the season you're trying to okay who's had some fluky numbers who hasn't um you know who's actually pitching well this year this year who's who's taking a step forward and so we're always looking at DRA and CFIP uh, a couple noon metrics um uh, improvements from uh Older metrics um, like xFIP and FIP, um, I don't, you know, if you guys are familiar with those uh, with those statistics, but it's just another ERA estimator. Uh, and Michael Fulmer was near the top of and DRA for basically the entire season, and it was it was consistent. He he started out there from from when he made his debut. Um, his first month in the major leagues was. Uh, it was awesome. He, he pitched extremely well, uh, you know, and, and I know Justin Verlander you know, bounce back season. Ver, Verlander was really good this year, um, you know, especially after, you know, last year and the year before that being just straight bad. Um, but, uh, I, you know, Michael Fulmer, you know, kind of kept Detroit in that race, you know, every fifth day. Um, I, I just kept waiting for him to fade, waiting for him to fade. Um, and next thing I turn around and it's like the middle of September and he just went out and put up 36 DraftKings points. And I'm like, dude, dude this guy just does not stop being awesome. Um, you know, Michael Fulmer, you know, a little bit under the radar there. Of course, you know, Gary Sanchez being in New York, you know, Sanchez got, you know, lots of publicity there. I, I think, you know, what, what Michael Fulmer did uh, in, in Detroit there, um, starting for them, um, Fulmer. Gets a vote for me there in the American League. Um, you know, moving over to the National League, I, I just I'm going to say Corey Seager. What about?
1: Yeah, no, I can't blame you one bit there. Uh, first off, Fulmer, I can't argue that either. If it's not Sanchez, I hope it's Fulmer. He was absolutely amazing. Uh, people thought there'd be innings limits and he'd be disappearing and so on and so forth. He was filthy. Uh, did very, very well for the Tigers, kept them in the race with Verlander. But, yeah, in the National League, it's Corey Seeger and it's nobody else. Um, if Corey Seager does not get the National League MVP, it might be the single biggest uh, awards travesty in the history of awards. Um, it, it, you could argue if you wanted to get real goofy, and it's a long shot, but I would not be surprised if even Corey Seager receives some MVP votes. There's no, he's not gonna get the MVP, but he better get the Rookie of the Year.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I could see him getting some some MVP votes as well. He's uh, definitely in in my top ten for for MVP, Um, and I think he's going to be in most people's top five. Yeah, Corey Seager there in the National League. Um, uh, The only thing we got left is the Cy Young. Um, I think the the American League's gonna be uh, something's gonna open up quite a bit of discussion there, um, and maybe even the National League. Both of these are gonna be pretty interesting here. Uh, you know, in the National League, uh, I, I think you know you got a couple Cubs up there near the top that that deserve a lot of books. Uh, um, and in it, and it's close, and it's close uh, the. I think Hendricks, um, you got Max Scherzer. You know, Max Scherzer struck out freaking everybody. Um, he, he's Max Scherzer, and, and he was really consistent this year. Gave up some home runs, but nonetheless, uh, the run prevention skills, the strikeout skills, Max Scherzer was awesome. Um, you know, Noah, Noah Syndergaard was good. I think we unfairly had some kind of expectations for Noah Syndergaard. Um what do you think about the idea with it being a close race between a lot of really good candidates and maybe not great candidates? What do you think about the idea of uh, handing it over there to Jose Fernandez? Um, probably, you know, he he was it was a favorite pitcher of mine to watch. I, I have a lot of things to say. Fernandez, you know maybe we could do another podcast some other time you know talking about what Fernandez meant uh, to, to, to each of us. He was uh, he was something else, but you know maybe maybe we can honor the kid. I mean I think that oh, no doubt there was a, a, a Cy young coming for that kid with the, with the stuff that he had and with the year that he was having, man, you know a strong September, he'd have been right there in that uh, in that Cy Young uh, uh, race. So I, I think maybe with it being so close, you know, what do you think about just uh, giving it to Fernandez?
1: You 1,000% hit my Cy Young take on the head. Um, it, it's a very, very tight race. Uh, if they're going to give it to someone, I'd say Max Scherzer just because, like you said, you know, he did lead all of starting pitching and home runs giving up with 31 but he also had 284 strikeouts, a buck 99 opponent average, uh, 0.97 with just – you go down the list, he was lights out. 20-game winner, the only 20-game winner in the National League, 296 ERA. He's filthy. You can't hide Mad Max. You know who he is. You know who he was. But I was 100% on board on this. If for some reason they don't give it to Max or someone else, I really do think Jose Friend is deserves to say young at the least to honor such a great person in baseball. Um, I would be stoked to do another podcast and just dedicate it to the likes of Jose. Uh, we should have done one when it happened, but we were all busy doing other stuff. Yeah. And um, I know we have had our we have our group chat, and it was one of those, like, we're, me and you on the West Coast, we're at the East Coast guys. And I remember when I woke up, the first thing I see is, like, a bleacher report update about him passing, and I got the chills. And I was thinking, like, It's really weird for a guy you've never met how he can affect your life. And um, he was an amazing, amazing baseball player to watch. He was must-see television, like you said. When he started, you wanted to watch him. The kid was an amazing athlete. But most importantly, and people have read it and seen it since the uh, horrific incident took place, uh, the person that he was. And you see it around baseball. And, you know, people pass and things happen but the way you saw baseball rally around it, you're still seeing it in the postseason. Guys have numbers and JFs on their, their, their uniforms. Um, you look at Antonio Brown this Sunday's playing in Miami, and he has special cleats with Jose's face and uh, like number on it for him. He's going to wear uh, the Florida Panthers. It's all kinds of stuff still happening. That's how impactful this kid was. And I say kid because he was a kid like that's what's that's what's really crazy about it like i'm not old i'm in my early 30s but this kid was a kid and uh it was an absolute shame and i really hope they do give it to him um i know some guys will vote for him and they'll say they do it out of an honor and blah 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 and that's that's awesome but i really if there was any way to start a petition or anything they should give the award to jose fernandez That's that's my two cents on that one. I think so.
2: I think so. I think so. And, you know, it, it's like you said, you know, it's not like these other guys have, you know, one of those other guys really stuck out, you know, a head and shoulders above the, the pack. Um, you know, Hendrix had a great ERA and stuff like that. Um, you know, seems like a, a real good kid, you know, he's got a great change up. Are you, and using that, that change up, he was – for as far as DFS goes, is one of my favorite pitchers because, you know, when you get him out there against, you know, a, a team that can only hit a fastball that's, you know, goes up there, you know, swinging for the fences early in the count, you know, a team like the Phillies or something like that, he was just an absolute gold mine in DFS. Um, you know, Hendricks, you know, great year and of course led the National League in, in ERA and ERA and John Lester that second half that he had that we kind of mentioned earlier and talking about uh, his matchup with the Dodgers there. And of course, Max Scherzer. I mean, you know, all guys that had great years. But it's you know, if 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 you thought that that Jose Fernandez had a better season than any one of those guys, I don't know that I really argue against you. Uh, and then with a little bit of an added boner,ing um, you know, that kid and and what he was able to do in his short time in the major leagues, uh, the impact that he he had on the league. Uh, yeah. I think it would probably be the right thing to do there. So, um, yeah, and I – Jose Fernandez, man, if, if you're at home, if, if you've got – you know, you've got kids and um, you've got a little one you're going to send off to Little League soon, um, Jose Fernandez was, you, you want to teach your kid to love that game and to play that game as um, that, That's
1: That says it for me right there, so – yeah, uh, and like you said, we could have a whole another hour-long pod talking about him. He was an amazing, amazing person and uh, quite the, quite a shame. But, um, yeah. Let's uh, AL Cy Young, another one just like the National League where to me there's really no clear cut on this one either. Like you had your 20-game winners, but then you had your dominating guys elsewhere. Where are you going with this one?
2: Yeah, and, I, you know, Sure, you you can all guess. You know, I don't look at wins a whole lot. It was solid. Boston was an awesome team. Had a great offense. Boston had the best offense in baseball this year. Um, It was good. Um, The the, the Porcello that pitched in Detroit, that seemed like he just kind of let everybody's expectations down. Um, This was not him. Uh, The – the, the Porcello that signed an eighty two million dollar contract to uh, pitch in in Boston after they traded for him, whole country, you know, baseball Twitter, baseball writers, just everybody completely like panned that deal. Um, this was not him. Uh, this This was a different Rick Porcello. This was an awesome Rick Porcello. But but it was not a it's not a Cy Young either, you know, um, Porcello was awesome, and, and he very much exceeded expectations, um, you know, but, but he's, he's not, he's not, the, I don't think he could be the Cy Young, I, I don't think we can, you you look at the run prevention, you, you look at the, the strikeout to walk ratios, um, you know, he's, he's a ground ball pitcher, and, and that's a valuable thing, and everything, but um, I think, you know, Verlander, Definitely outperformed Porcello. Um, Zach Britton was amazing. It was ridiculous. I mean, that, that dude's got that left-handed um, split finger that just – that that's impossible. It, it, it's like a catch-22 when you get up there. It's like you're either going to swing and miss, which you're screwed, but then when you hit it, you're – I don't know. You just – you you're still screwed. Like, nothing changed. Um, but it also – he. Six innings. I can't. It, you know, if we can give Zach Britton the Cy Young for pitching sixty-six innings, then in the National League, I'm going to give the Cy Young to Clayton Kershaw, even though he only pitched, you know, 140 innings. Yeah, you know that's, what I mean. Last. Like, if you're going Britton, then you go Kershaw in the National League. I, you know, like he only threw sixty-six innings. I don't know. I could do Britton. Um, I wish that there was like a better award to to. To, to give to Britain for for what he did this season, other than the rollades, the the rollades relief award. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh my God! How do you spell relief? R O L A. This is ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah.
2: I wish we had something better to give to Britain because um, you know he really was something out there. But I just I don't know. I don't know. You can't give him side Young. He threw sixty six innings. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ver, Verlander was awesome. I think I probably got Verlander over Purcello. Um, You know, Corey Kluber uh, had some pretty big expectations due to what he did uh, in previous in the previous season there, but uh, yeah, he's he's up there. I flip a coin. I got I don't know. I just don't know in the American League.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really weird year because both leagues, like we said, usually there's always one or two that stand out. There's really it's not that easy. And like you said, Britain, sixty-six innings, but he had seventy-four strikeouts. Uh, where am I? Forty-seven saves, .54 ERA, which is just ridiculous. But um, yeah, if we're going to starters, which you usually do, it's, it's very rare to see the uh, the uh, the closers get the love. Happens once in a while, but very rare. I'm going Verlander, um, sixteen and nine. But more importantly to me, yeah, he had a three point zero four ERA, which you know, huge compared to what we were used to at Verlander. He had 254 strikeouts and 227 innings pitched, which is filth. And a 207 back. opponent batting average. Yeah, he was awesome, and I loved it. And this is a DFS angle again. I would use him left and right, and people would be like, oh, he costs too much. If people paid attention, you look at his numbers, that guy, he paid off for you, uh, I want to say, almost 70 to 80% of the time. It was just that filthy. Um, but if we don't go Verlander, my second choice is Kluber. He wasn't like lights out, lights out, but he's still damn good. 216 opponent average, 227 Ks, 215 innings pitch, a 314 ERA. He pitched in a ballpark where I don't know the exact metrics this year, but in most years the ball does travel pretty well in Cleveland depending on during the summer months. Um, but you know those stats way better than I do. Um but uh, yeah, I go Verlander, and uh, but it's tough. There's some. There's a little bit of arguments you can make for a lot of guys, but uh, Verlander did it very quietly with a lot of hate coming his direction by a lot of people that just said, "Oh no, he's garbage." He got it done, and uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Porcello gets loved, too, just because so many people cling on to the number of wins, and that's just what they cling to. But um, yeah, I go Verlander. I'm with you on that. Who
2: do you think? Who do you think that? So so we've got our takes on it, but. Who do you think the voters put up there? Who do you think wins it?
1: I think Porcello wins it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting because it's it's like we talked about with, uh, I think it was the MVPs that all these guys that write for newspapers. They see 22 wins and an ERA in the low threes, and you got that Boston East Coast media. I think it's going to take a lot of votes right there.
2: Yep, I agree. I agree. There's a bunch of guys, you know – Forty years ago, when those guys were relevant writers, um, yep. that's that's what they looked at at the end of the year. Oh, this guy was the pitcher of record. You know, this guy went at least five innings in a game in which his him more runs than he allowed it to the opposition, and then his team never relinquished the lead from thenceforth. Toward until the end of the game and, and, and his team held on like like that's what a win is and like that's how they analyzed shit back then. Yep. we don't do that now. Um, those guys are still voting.
1: Yep, it's a shame. It's the same with you go to a whole I can go to a whole debate about the Hall of Fame, which I think is a joke. Um just a lot of these guys are still have privileges, it's just it's something else. But that could be let's make a deal. When the, the playoffs are done sometime in November We'll do another pod. We'll discuss what went wrong with the awards. We'll discuss the winners of the World Series and whatnot. And then we, there's one thing we didn't get to, and we we're going to talk a lot more. We could have probably done this for another two hours about a lot of things that took place, and we'll definitely, definitely devote a lot of it to the likes of Jose Fernandez, Ben Scully, some great things that took place in this baseball season. So how's that sound? That sounds awesome. Yeah. We'll, definitely, we'll keep doing this in a – and we're we're working on an idea. If it works, people, um, just baseball guys talking baseball stuff next year. It could be a lot of fun. And uh, any last words, Brock? Yeah, it'd be a, a nice uh, change of pace from the uh,
2: the high high level stress uh, DFS work that that we both do throughout the season there. So um, yeah, um, man, I, I can't wait to see what happens here in this Dodger season uh Dodger series rather here against the Cubs uh like you mentioned earlier the playoffs this year has been amazing um we've we've seen just you know so much already um and and I can't you know just as a baseball fan American League National League the the World Series uh I I can't wait to see what we've got in store for us here so
1: yeah no doubt and like always man it's fun talking to you we uh we message a lot on Twitter and everything thanks for coming on again it was awesome we will definitely do this again. And everybody, that was Bench with Bubba, episode eight. Don't forget to follow Brock on Twitter at Brock Nest Monster. Check us out. And until next time, we'll catch you guys later.